we've spent the past couple of weeks looking at what we believe as the Salvation Army. We spent a couple of weeks looking at the 11 doctrines of the Salvation Army. And even though they were specific to what we believe here in the Salvation Army, I like to say that they're basic Christian truths that as a Christian are helpful for us to understand. Because we've talked about knowing what we believe can help us know who we are, especially who we are in Christ. And so we looked at the 11 doctrines that ranged from our belief in the Bible as being God's word, given by God, and that it has been given to us as a book of guidance, of instruction on how we are to live our lives. We talked about Jesus, that he was truly and properly God and truly and properly man. You know, in my Bible study that I we just talked about the passage of the fig tree, where Jesus had what did a fig and he cursed the fig tree because it wasn't bearing fruit. And then they came back around and the fig tree had withered. And I told my Bible study group, I said, you know what? To me, that's kind of right there. That scripture illustrated it's God and man. Because I don't know about you, but when things don't go my way, we get mad, right? That's the human part of us. But I might get mad at a fig tree, but I ain't got the power to curse it. That's the God part of it. And so I was like, that scripture right there really brings home that truly and properly God and truly and properly man. Because he was human enough to get a little perturbed by this fig tree, but he was still God. And the fact that when he cursed it, that fig tree withered and died. And so it's this fact that he was truly and properly God and truly and properly man that when he died on the cross for our sins and he was raised again in three days, he made an atonement for our sin. Because his blood was the only blood that could be shed that was powerful enough to pay the price. But being washed in the blood isn't where it ends for us. We talked a little further about how to continue in the state of salvation, we need to be continually obedient and faithful to Christ. That beyond salvation, we are called to be holy, to be blameless in the eyes of the Lord. Because there's going to come a time of judgment. And the wicked go into endless punishment. But the righteous, which is what we want to count ourselves, the righteous go into eternal happiness. And then we spend some time looking at what we call our ethical articles of faith, which are promises that we make. We know what we believe. We know we call ourselves Christians. In our case here, we call ourselves salvationists. We have identified ourselves as a follower of Christ, belonging to the church, and as such, we are going to do some of the following things. And so we spent time saying, you know, looking at what it meant to be responsive to the Holy Spirit, reading the Bible, praying, being obedient. 
what it meant to live our lives with Christian integrity, making the values of God and God's kingdom what governs our lives and not the values of the world. Amen. We talked about what it meant to be in Christian relationships, whether it be family, friends, or marriage. That they're supposed to look and have certain characteristics. <coughs> and then we talked about what it meant to give of ourselves to God. To tithe, to present offerings to Him. And that went so much more than our money. Although that shouldn't be discounted. But it also included our time, our talents, our thoughts even. How much time are we spending with God versus everything else? And so we're going to spend... This last week, wrapping it up, we have a number seven that honestly we could cover, but we're going to move on. We have one more Sunday left before we kick off Advent, so I wanted to have a wrap-up Sunday. And so number seven had said, I will abstain from alcohol, drink, tobacco, and non-medical use of addictive drugs, gambling, pornography, the occult, and all else that could enslave the body or spirit. Now this one may be a little specific to the Salvation Army versus some others in the fact that in the Salvation Army we do not drink any alcoholic beverages at all. But anything whether it be alcohol, tobacco, non-medical use of drugs, gambling, pornography, the occult, anything like that can get into our lives and spread like a cancer that gets between us and God. And so if you are struggling with something like that, the good news is that you can be delivered from it. delivered from it. But what we are going to look at are going to be the last two of our ethical articles, number 8 and 10. And they say this. I will be faithful to the purposes for which God has raised up the Salvation Army, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, endeavoring to win others to him, and in his name caring for the needy and disadvantaged. Now honestly, you could replace the Salvation Army with the Christian faith, and it would still be true, right? Because we as Christians are all called to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to win others to him, and in his name, care for the needy and disadvantaged. We talked a few weeks ago about the passage of the sheep and the goats, right? And the only difference between the sheep and the goats is what they did and didn't do. The sheep cared for the needy and disadvantaged. The goats, not so much. That's why they go, go back to 
doctrine 11. That's why they were sent into endless punishment. And then we're going to look at number 10, which says, I will be true to the principles and practices of the Salvation Army, loyal to its leaders, and I will show the spirit of salvationism, whether in times of popularity or persecution. In other words, those principles and practices, some of those doctrines, the articles that we talk about being responsive to the Holy Spirit, of giving up ourselves, our tithes, whether it be financially or ourselves even. What it means to be a Christian. And so the army, the Salvation Army has adopted this principle, but it's a great principle for all of us as Christians to follow. Is the fact that the Bible is true. It's our first doctrine. But any teaching that does not rest on the scripture should be examined critically and carefully. And any preacher you have who can get through a whole sermon without tying it into the scriptures should be taken with a grain of salt. And so these black, eight, and ten are kind of interesting, though. Because all of our others have focused on things from the Bible, right? And so we ask ourselves some questions. Like, why did God call William Booth? Why did he encourage him, lead him, guide him with the Spirit into making the Salvation Army? Back in 1865, or renamed the Salvation Army in 1878. Why did that happen? Well, the Salvation Army two very important mission goals. Evangelism and Christian compassion. And sadly enough, when God called William Booth, those are two things that were lacking in the Christian faith. And if we look around the world today, they're kind of lacking again, aren't they? We're scared to tell others of Jesus. And let's admit it, Christians have not gotten a rap about being compassionate. It's almost the opposite, right? When people think about Christians, they think about judgmental hypocrites instead of compassionate and caring. And so... Even though this may be why God had the army raised up, we can all join the army in one way or another. <laughs> we know these things. The 
evangelism and Christian compassion are basic biblical truths. The Great Commission, Jesus sends people out, right? You go, make disciples. And he set the perfect example on what it means to interact and deal with people, to show them mercy and compassion, forgiveness and kindness, and he exhorted his followers to do the same. Mark 16, 15 says, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And taking care of the poor, the disadvantaged, isn't even new. We find it in the Old Testament. Jeremiah 22, 16 says, He defended the cause of the poor and needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? So even in the Old Testament, God was talking about compassion and caring for the poor and needy. Yeah. There's an illustration about a preacher who got up one Sunday, preached a wonderful sermon. The congregation came up to him afterwards and they said, Sir, that was a great sermon. That was a good word. It really inspired us. It really spoke to us. Following Sunday, preacher gets up. He preaches the same sermon. Nobody comes up to him after that day. Nobody says anything to him. The third Sunday, he preaches the same sermon. They finally come up to him, and they're like, "Do you realize that you preached the same sermon for three Sundays in a row?" <laughs> Kind of thinking maybe he just didn't know. <laughs> was going through his Bible and found the outline and goes, ooh, this is good. <laughs> we all admit with the Salvation Army, we move every now and then. So we may have a collection of sermons that the next time we move, we'll go back through and go, okay, this is a new location. I can preach this sermon again. We look it over, reword it, because things change. We readapt it, but if it's based off the Bible, it's still good. <laughs> and so they're like, "Did you know that you've been preaching the same sermon for three days, three Sundays in a row?" And he goes, "You ain't been doing it." <laughs> he was preaching on evangelism the first Sunday. They were all inspired. They just didn't do anything. So he thought, oh, they need a refresher. So he went the second Sunday and said, this is what you're supposed to do. Go out to the world. Preach the good news to all creatures. And they're like, we know that. Told us that last week. That third Sunday, they're like, you done told us this. What are you doing that you can't come up with a new sermon? <laughs> We're paying you your salary, and what are you doing in your spare time? Stop playing golf. <laughs> and he's like, well, I've been telling you to do it, but you ain't done it. I just, I'm going to keep going until I see it. it looks like it's working. 
<laughs> right? The thing is, is we know that the Bible is given as a word, as instructions for us. And we may occasionally reread certain passages and have them click again. But we shouldn't be need to people like that preacher who has to cover the same thing every week. Because the rest of the congregation just ain't getting it. We need to be willing to be witnesses for Christ. To show compassion as Jesus showed compassion. Now we may all have different gifts. If you were here last week, you heard Major Stephanie Sills talk a little bit about when you give of yourself, you can give from the talents that you have. Some of us may not be gifted speakers. We may get tongue-tied. And it's all good and well, I can tell you to pray to God for him to give you the words when it comes to ministering to people because he has placed you in that certain place quite possibly to be the one to reach them. God will bring you to something that he is not going to help you through. You just got to learn to ask. But the other thing is, is he will bring you to places that he knows that you can get through. Because he has equipped you to do these things. He has given you talents. And some people may naturally have the gift of evangelism. They have no problem talking to other people about God, what he has done for them, what he can do for them, if they just believe. And some people may find it a little easier to be compassionate to other people. I don't have a problem being compassionate unless I'm driving. Then <laughs> <laughs> all bets are off. <laughs> I know, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's the one part where I'm just like, you know what, don't come over. <laughs> I find myself having to go, no, you sit right there and you let that person in because they are using their turn signal or they're not using it, but it doesn't matter because you're going to be compassionate today, Jennifer. <laughs> I'm like, oh, every now and then I remind myself, I go, the Lord is working on you, Jen. Just let that person in. <laughs> so we may not be naturally compassionate. But we have all been challenged. Challenged by Jesus himself to be his witnesses and to be the channels of his love in a love star world. And you may say, well, no, the world has love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love, right? People sing about it. The world does not have love. And I'm going even further because what the world needs to see is God's love in action in the world. It needs God's people showing what God's love looks like to other people, especially people who don't know God's love. What if they don't want to see it? 
we can't control what they want to see, but what we can't control is what we do. Because at the end of times, the only thing that we're going to be accountable for, like the sheep and the goats, what we did and didn't do. You know, it doesn't matter whether or not they ate it. You know, the sheep and the goats, they seen him in prison, they visited him, they seen him hungry and they fed him. It doesn't matter whether or not they wanted what we received. It didn't matter whether or not they wanted to be visited. What matters is what we did. And so, we don't want to be even further, if you remember during our sheep and goats, we shared the, the sheep and goats song, um, song by Keith Green. Gifted, gifted musician. I wish he was still alive so that he could give us some more because I think he had a talent in presenting the Bible through song in a way that just spoke to people, especially in a way that people needed to hear. And, you know, he talked about the fact, you know, he, he kind of sums it up as when the sheep are going, oh, when did we not visit you? When did we not see you? You know, adapted. <laughs> well, we didn't think you would want us to, right? You think that's going to fly? <laughs> the Lord's probably going to go, you didn't try? Yep. <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> that's right. You know? And so, Article 10. Loyal to the principles and practices of the Salvation Army, loyal to its leaders, and the showing of the spirit of Salvationism. What in the world does that mean? And how can it help us, whether you're a member of the Salvation Army or not? Now, Romans 13, 1 through 2 says, Romans 13, 1 through 2. Salvation Army or not, we are to be loyal to the principles of the Christian church. Loyal to the leaders of the Christian church. Verses 1 and 2. And we need spirit of salvationism, the spirit of, of being an evangelistic, compassionate follower. Does that sound like something all Christians should be? Romans 13, 1 through 2 says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Romans it says Romans 13, 1 and 2. It's right. Different translations. Different translations. Yeah, it's a different translation. Different translation, but let everyone be subject to a higher path. Yeah. King James was actually translated by King James. And the fact that he said higher power instead of God authorities. The whole thing keeps trying to get people to submit to him. <laughs> That's why it doesn't mention God necessarily in there, because he was at this time he was trying to make them be loyal to him. 
So, but yeah, it, he's still, it's still the same. The higher powers. And all these higher powers, especially the church, have been established and built by who? God. God. And so, people who have been appointed to be leaders of the church. For instance, Peter and John were appointed to be leaders. But even they said in Acts 4.19, because you could be like, you know what, church leaders can be corrupt. Yes, they can. Because we often forget that they are just as human and infallible as the rest of us. I tell people all the time, I go, I may be a leader, but let me tell you, it's even its own struggle because I'm just as human as the next person. And Acts 4.19, Peter and John understood this. And they spoke boldly to the leaders, and they go, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey. And so, if it ever have something that questions your loyalty, take it before the Lord. Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. So in other words, he's saying to these leaders, you know what? Each one of you actually will be held accountable for making your own decisions. Yeah. But honestly, there's any time that a church leader tells you something that definitely seems to go against the Bible. I know where I'd want to come down on. It doesn't mean being a doormat. It doesn't mean being a yes man. In other words, say yes to everything the leader does. You do not have to accept uncritically everything that comes from the church leaders. Because even sometimes what they are offering you is their interpretation and opinion on what the scriptures are saying. That's why we challenge you when we are reading scripture to follow along. You caught it, but we caught the difference, right? And then translations. And we have actually got a responsibility bound by Christian love to kindly point out when others have fallen into unchristian behavior. Even when they seem to outrank us in the church. Christian behavior, especially a Christian in a leadership position, don't go by yourself either. And if you're the only one noticing it, that may be an issue in itself. Make sure someone else is noticing that same behavior. 
Because the Bible even says, you know, if you're going to go talk to somebody about this and you're going to try to correct them, there's certain ways on how you correct somebody. Yes. And so we do want to follow biblical principles when we do that. And so we want to make sure that our own perceptions aren't skewed when we come to trying to correct somebody. But we do need to be and hold each other accountable no matter what position in the church we find ourselves. Yeah, approaching leaders. Yeah. First, before you even approach your leader, going before God in prayer is always a good step. And anything that you do, going before God in prayer is a smart choice. Yeah. And that's what we were just saying, you know, if you're going to approach a leader about what you feel is unchristian behavior, you know, go to God first. Make sure that it's not something that you're struggling with, that you're seeing in them. Yeah. Make sure that there's not a preconceived notion of prejudice even, which is preventing you. You know, we live in a society that's easily offended. And so, God is the only one who can give you discernment on whether or not it's an actual issue that needs to be dealt with, or whether with them, or if it's an issue that needs to be dealt with in you. And so make sure that you've dealt with your issues. And then you can deal with other people's. Alright? The, the Bible said, you know, don't try to be correct your brother or sister when you still got something in your eye. And so, loyal to the practices or the principles. What does that mean? Be loyal to God. Loyal. Basic army principle. Keep focused on your goals. Or someone said the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. It sounds like a lot of words, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm like, that sounds good and well. But that's, a, you know, the main thing we've seen in Article 8. What is the main thing that we want to do? Evangelism. To win people for the kingdom. We want to relieve human suffering here on earth. And so the next step, what do we do to reach these goals? 1 Corinthians 9, starting with verse 19. 1 Corinthians 9, starting with verse 19. We know that this is Paul, and this is what he says. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, as to win those under the law. In other words, I do what I have to to reach everyone. I try to find common ground with them. But here is the danger on common ground. And we're counseled. And 1 Corinthians 2, 3 offers us this. 1 Thessalonians 2, 3. 
For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. So we want to be careful. We want to make sure that what we do... What was 1 Thessalonians? 1 Thessalonians 2, 3. Whatever we do needs to be centered in Christian love and in Christian morality. Yes. We are trying to reach the people of the world, and the world has become almost a very immoral place. Yes. And so we do not want to sacrifice our own morality in trying to reach others. Yes. So it's a fine line. But we've got to remember that. And then whatever we do, it should be centered in the love of Christ. And... <laughs> Colossians 3, verse 17, and then 23. Colossians 3, verse 17, and then over to verse 23. Colossians 3, starting with verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord... Not for man. Amen. Good. Now, the Salvation Army itself has some traditions. The uniform, our flags. Others have brass bands. Traditions have roots. And they've accomplished something at one point in time that were helpful. And if they are still meeting a need, we keep them. This uniform I wear can open doors that would be otherwise closed the gospel. That's why even though we've discussed it, people will say, oh, it needs to change, it needs to update, it still opens doors and allows us in into places that would be close to the gospel without it. I have been overseas in a city in South America where the church itself had a fence around it because of the violence in the neighborhood. But they said one thing, they go, while you're here painting and you're in your regular clothes, don't go outside the gate. But if you're in uniform and you're with the rest of us, you're okay because they understand what the uniform represents and they respect it. Wow. And so the uniform still has a purpose. But in any church, we need to examine the traditions and make sure that they are still working to reach others, that they still are serving a purpose. But whatever we do, we need to focus on the main thing, which is what? To save people and bring them to Christ. And the spirit of salvationism, what does that mean? The willingness to lay everything on the line for Jesus? To make Jesus more important than even family? Spirit of salvationism echoes the words of William Booth. 
We have it right there on the back of our wall in the chapel. Well, women weep as they do now. I'll bite. <laughs> While little children go hungry as they do now. I'll bite. While men go to prison in and out and in and out. I'll fight. While there is a drunkard left, while there is a poor lost girl upon the streets, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight. Amen. I'll fight to the very end. That's what it means. And that may be the spirit of salvationism, but isn't that something that we should all do as Christians? To keep fighting, reaching the lost, and showing them the light of Christ no matter where we go, no matter how tired we get. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. So that when it's all done and said, I will hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Right? And so, are we showing that spirit in our lives? Are we fighting that good fight? Are we pushing through? Are we carrying on so that we are telling others about Christ, showing them his compassion like he has shown us his compassion and mercy? We looked at it last week, the parable of the talents, the servants, you know? That last servant who was given one talent and did nothing with it. He buried it because he was like, well, I heard that you can be a strict guy. I'm kind of fearful of that. I don't want you to judge me too harshly if I lost it, so I did nothing with it. And the master was like, if you had put it in the bank, I would have at least got interest. Yes. You know? We will be judged. We will be held accountable. And it may be a little strict on that other side, because the wicked go to what? And those punishment? You know? The sheep, they go a good place. The goats, not so much. Nobody wants to be a goat. <laughs> we all want to be sheep. So that we can go away with Christ. It's an endless Eternal happiness. Yes. And how selfish are we if we don't share that Amen. with other people? I mean, we could be the most selfless person we know, but if we are keeping Jesus and what he has done and what God has done in our lives to ourselves, yes. then you are actually one of the most selfish people out there. Yes. Because all you need to do is tell somebody about what he has done for you, and you have quite possibly given them a gift yes. that is priceless. Amen. You have the opportunity to go out and give people a priceless gift. Yes. And when you keep it to yourself, you're being a little selfish. Yes. And when you look at it in that way, no matter how tongue-tied you may get when you're trying to talk to somebody, you kind of feel a little bit more motivated, don't you? And you don't even have to tell them 
specifically about what God can do for them, would you tell them about what he has done for you? Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> but sometimes we need to get over ourselves, beyond ourselves. Even the hang-ups that we may have that may prevent our tongues from moving when it comes to talking to other people. I'll tell you the truth. I can stand up here and speak to you guys, but talking to a stranger on the street, still a little hard sometimes. <laughs> the Lord's still working on me, and I have to constantly go, nope, just talk to them. He has brought you here for a reason. And so I know that you out there can be struggling with the same thing. We've been closing our time with those prayer songs, Take My Life and Let It Be, right? Surrendering everything that we are, allowing God to fully use us. Our time, our talents, our gifts, and even giving us new ones so that he can fully use who we are. Even our past to reach someone else. And so as the song plays, we invite you to take this time in prayer. If you want to come to the altar to pray, it's available. Just to feel a little closer to God, you can pray in your seats.
to go forth to evangelize, to share your gospel with those who need to know it, to be a light into a world full of darkness, and to show compassion to a world that needs to know your love, to know you. Take our lives, Lord. May they be no longer ours, but instead be yours, committed and devoted to being you, to showing you to a world that needs to know you and know you more. Be with us now. We ask these things. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.